Swing and a drive. Deep to left center field. Going, going. Goodbye, baseball. This is Extra Innings. Fastball swing and a miss. Strike three. That's going to retire the side. Seattle sports goes inside the Mariners with more stories, insights, and analysis than you'll find anywhere. Drilled up the middle. Oh, what a catch by J.P. Crawford. Step in the batter's box in the top of the tent right now. Suffice it to say, no one is thrilled about where this Mariners team is on June 20th. Especially after the homestand that they had, going 3-8. and eight. The longest homestand of the season that they will have against the Twins, the Red Sox, and also against the LA Angels. Three teams that they could have made serious ground up on over the last almost two weeks of games. Right here at T-Mobile Park, right here at a place where you want to defend, right here at a place where the Mariners had played the least amount of home games of any team in Major League Baseball coming into it. you got to be chomping at the bit for that opportunity, and yet, here we are, looking up at nearly every team in the American League West except for the team that they're about to play here for a three-game set in Oakland starting tomorrow. And it, it makes me think back to... One seminal moment of the Mariners' offseason. Now, it happened during the lockout, so not a lot was being said. Not a lot could have been said based off of Major League rules and and rules agreed upon by the Major League Baseball Players Association. But Mitch Haniger used his platform to vocalize something that I think a lot of Mariners fans had been feeling at the time, and I think they still feel it, because... Look, this team last year won 90 games. They won 90 games and showed that maybe there was something to this step back that the Mariners underwent, what, three, four seasons ago? And it's been a long, long journey over those last three or four seasons, including the 2020 year that was nearly lost entirely due to the global pandemic. And last year, the Mariners in 2021 surprised everybody and won 90 games and nearly made the playoffs, finished, what, two games out of a wild-card spot. Was They were eliminated on the very last day of the season. That's how much. That's how in it they were in 2021. And maybe they were ahead of schedule a year ago. Maybe they were. And that is a hard pill to swallow because you look at where they are in 2022, and it just feels like 2021 was it. 10 to 15 years ago, at least at this point. But let's like take a look at what Mitch Haniger had to say in his Players' Tribune article that was written over the winter that I think struck a huge chord with a lot of Mariners fans. And he says, he wraps up his article basically daring the rest of Major League Baseball to keep doubting the Mariners. He says this, I need Mariners fans to know something else. This group is going to the playoffs. That's not an if, it's a when. And that win is soon. We are going to end this bleeping drought. And then we're not stopping there because, yeah, this hurts. It sucks to be taking this step back. It sucks to go from having 40,000-plus rocking at T-Mobile Park to go from this to now being stuck at home watching these games from the couch. He wrote that in the playoffs. He says, I hate it, but that's how you overcome adversity. That's how you persevere in baseball and whatever else. You fail, you take your step back, then you regroup, you figure it out, and you take two steps forward. And that's what's going to happen here in Seattle. I hope the other teams in the league are all reading this 
and they understand that we're about to get after it in the offseason, and then we're coming for one of those playoff spots and more. I hope our front office is reading this, and they understand that it's time to really go all in. It's time to make some impact moves and put this group over the top. And I hope our fans are all reading this. I hope you guys understand that it may be the end of the season, but it isn't an ending. This is a damn start. Thanks for sticking with us and for the most fun I've ever had on a baseball field. I hope you all are excited about the Mariners again. I'll see you in spring. And we were excited about the Mariners again. We absolutely were. It was a offseason packed with drama because it felt like the Mariners' name was attached to every single big-name free agent. And they did land one of the big fish of the offseason. They did land Robbie Ray, a, a tremendous starting pitcher coming off of a Cy Young award-winning season in Toronto. And the Mariners got him on what I think a lot of people considered a team-friendly deal at the time. And, and look, as of late, he has been a, a great contributor over his last two starts, nearly taking a no-hitter past the seventh inning against the Angels, shutting out the Red Sox for seven straight innings. He hasn't allowed a home run in two starts. I mean, he has looked all the part of the ace that the Mariners wanted to sign. But boy, this team has left plenty to be desired in nearly every facet of the organization through the month of June. And I can imagine the frustration that we're feeling. I I would hope that the frustration we're feeling as fans and, and people who cover this team day in and day out is also felt by those within the organization. Because if it's not, then that is a serious red flag. That is a red flag that needs to be addressed in the worst way imaginable. Because we're going on year 21 of a playoff drought. We're going on a playoff drought that was when I was 10 years old is when this thing started. I'm 31 now. I have a kid. I have a wife. I'm an adult. I'm I'm on the radio, for goodness sake. Like My life is so much different from when I was last watching Mariners playoff baseball. And I hope that at some point the button clicks for this entire team. I hope that something within this organization is able to rid themselves of what they have been because a year like this, a year that, that 2022 seems to be careening towards, is not something that I think anybody wants to be a part of. I think back to the 2010 season, and that's a tough pill to swallow for a lot of Mariners fans because in 2009, they won 85 games in a surprising way. They they kind of burst onto the scene out of nowhere, and the summer was was fun. You had Griffey back in a Mariners uniform. Ichiro was still doing his thing. I mean, there were guys that were producing. You had Adrian Beltre still on the roster. You didn't bring him back the next season, but you got Sean Figgins, who replaced Beltre's production, or you thought was going to replace Beltre's production at third. You went out and traded for one of the best left-handed pitchers in Cliff Lee, and you thought, oh, man, this Mariners team could be even better than what they were a year ago. We all know how 2010 went. One of the worst seasons in franchise history. Maybe the worst season in franchise history. In fact, manager Don Wakamatsu didn't even make it through the entire season. He was fired midway through. And I hope that we are not careening towards a season that takes this rebuild, that takes this step back off the path that it's on. Because the path that the Mariners are on right now is a path that they have not taken hardly ever as a franchise. It's a path that I think there was a lot of hesitancy within the organization to do based off of 
looking at how many years they tried to add that one piece that was missing, whether it be Nelson Cruz or Robinson Cano or or what have you. And it just simply was never the case, and they never were able to get over the hump with that core group of players. And I hope that a year like this does not force the Mariners to hit the panic button and make them rethink things and throw out everything that they have done to get to this point. Because I do think that this is a path that can get you to contention in the playoffs, that can get you to contention for a World Series. But at some point, you are going to have to really get down to brass tacks and look at why the Mariners have not been able to acquire the talent necessary in order to get over the hump. You have done it at the minor league level. You have the number one farm system in all of Major League Baseball. Baseball America, the preeminent documentation of prospects in the game of baseball, says you are better than everybody else at at doing that in the year 2022. That's all fine and dandy, but as we know, developing prospects is such a fickle business. It is so incredibly hard to predict the success rate of what these prospects are going to be. I mean, just look at the two guys that they have pinned their hopes on as a franchise really throughout the course of this step back, Julio Rodriguez and Jared Kelnick. Right now they're yin and yang. Julio is a potential American League All-Star in 2022, whereas Jared Kelnick is not hitting at the major league level. Bob Nightingale of USA Today, he joined Seattle Sports Station a little less than a month ago. It was May 26th, and he had this interesting line that has rung in my head every single day since he uttered it. Let's take a listen. Fans don't want, you know, you get tired of hearing about prospects. You want to see it, you know, translate to the major league level. You know, the old joke in baseball is you want to be in the cover of Baseball America or having the best prospects, or the cover of Sports Illustrated and having a parade. you got to turn it around at some point. Would you rather be on the cover of Baseball America with the top prospects or on the cover of Sports Illustrated having a parade? The Mariners have checked one of those boxes. They got the Baseball America box checked. They've got it filled in completely on the Scantron sheet. But you know what? you got to do some heavy lifting if you want to get that cover of Sports Illustrated. The toughest thing to do in baseball is to go from 90 wins to 95 wins, to 95 and above, because that's the mark of a true contender, a team that is not just winning every two out of three days, but winning three out of four days, winning you know eight, nine, ten in a row at times, leaving no doubt. Look, the Mariners haven't had back-to-back winning seasons since 2002-2003. It is very hard to do to build a consistent winner. But you know what you got to do? You got to do the heavy lifting. You got to make the moves that you may be uncomfortable making, but that's what it means. But that's how it is here in Seattle. You haven't made the playoffs for 21 years. It's time to make those moves that are going to put you over the top. Because I don't know if this fan base can handle the step back for much longer. (laughs) It takes a lot of patience. I understand. And they, they asked for patience at the very beginning. But we're coming up on year four of this. And you've already you've you've done what you set out to do at some point. You have the best farm system in baseball. Now it's time to make sure that that farm system 
comes through to the major league level and contributes and, and develops and becomes incredible. But you also have to round out your roster. You can't just rely on these young guys to lift your organization. There's got to be help. You look at what the Cubs did back in 2016. Yeah, they had guys like Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo and Javi Baez, but you know who else they had? They had Jason Hayward, who they signed to a $184 million contract. They had Ben Zobrist, who turned out to be the World Series MVP in 2016. They had John Lester, one of the best left-handed pitchers in all of baseball. And I get that it's the Cubs, and it's easier to attract players to a franchise with that kind of history and, and a franchise that plays in that ballpark and what have you. But you know what you got to do here in Seattle? You can't just rest on your laurels. you got to be able to fill the rest of this team out. And look, what the Mariners did this offseason, at their very best, they would have been able to say, we did some of that. But you know what? Even then, I don't think it was enough. Even if Mitch Haniger were healthy right now, getting back to his Players' Tribune article, I don't think it would be enough to put this team over the top. I don't think they would be a playoff team as currently constructed, which stinks, but look, that's the fact of the matter right now in how this Mariners team is playing baseball. So what is the fix? Where do you go? Who do you turn to? you got to look inside. Mariners had a closed-door meeting on Sunday. Maybe that's going to be the key, but who knows how, how it's really going to go down. We've got a lot in store for you here on this episode of Extra Innings. Brandon Gustafson of SeattleSports.com, he joins me next. We'll also visit with Martin Gallegos of MLB.com, who covers the Oakland A's. Plenty to get to on this Monday night, a, a Mariners season on the brink right now. I think that's very safe to say. Make sure you're downloading the podcast at seattlesports.com. But up next, Brandon Gustafson of seattlesports.com. He joins me on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. This is Extra Innings on Seattle Sports Station. You're listening to Extra Innings inside the Mariners on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports Station. Welcome back to Extra Innings. He is a show favorite. He's one of your favorites. He's one of my favorites. It's Brandon Gustafson of SeattleSports.com. You can follow him on Twitter at TheBGustafson. Brandon, I mean, boy, that homestand against the Angels, leaving a bad taste in everyone's mouth today. And, and just what do you even take away from a series like that? Because so much <laughs> did not go the Mariners' way. I mean, yeah, it took a near no-hitter. That was the only time the Mariners were able to eke out a victory against this Angels team. And, and a 3-8 and eight homestand. It just feels like everything is on fire right now uh, with this Mariners team. What what do you even talk about right now? Because it just seems like everywhere you look, there is something amiss. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're looking for positives, the the starting rotation's been really good these last few weeks. But the issue with that is the offense and the lineup has just been so it's been consistent, but consistently bad, right? So it almost hasn't mattered, and it makes things just that much worse when you're wasting really good pitching performances. I mean, you go through and you look at the last two, three turns in the rotation, basically every start they're getting quality starts from their starting pitching, but they're leaving guys on base. Uh, they're they're getting some traffic. They just can't cash in. They get guys first and second, second, third, guy on third with less than two outs, and somebody hits a weak pop-up or a strikeout, just unproductive outs, uh, non-quality at-bats, and 
can't move the lineup forward and can't can't cash in and then all of a sudden you have Mike Trout being Mike Trout and doing Mike Trout things at T-Mobile Park <laughs> and you're looking up and you dropped four or five to an Angels team that didn't win for two weeks. Yeah, and they didn't win a, a road game for about a month worth of time and, and they take four in your own place, don't score more than four runs in any of those wins. Uh, just a, a brutal, brutal weekend for this Mariners team. And, and Brandon, you bring up the Mariners offense and it just – seems like every day there is something new that uh, keeps them from scoring runs whether it be uh you know great plays we saw that against the Red Sox with Rob Refsnyder diving for a catch in the in the gap that uh Ty France would have at least gotten an extra base hit or just no name pitchers right now shutting this offense down it, it, what is the biggest issue with this Mariners offense right now? And it's obviously not scoring runs, but what are you seeing in their at-bats that you think is leading to this complete lack of offense? Well, the the guys that they added this offseason, the, the two guys that they really added to be anchors of this lineup with Jesse Winker and Adam Frazier are at a point where Scott's been sitting those guys a lot more of late and, and playing guys like Dylan Moore because Dylan Moore is just putting together better at-bats than both of those guys, making more consistent hard contact. And uh, I think they're at a point now where it's just kind of spiraling a little bit, and I think guys are pressing. And that's the one thing in baseball you just – you really can't try harder. In baseball, that's just that, – that, that causes things to get even worse, and I think we're seeing it. Jesse Winker a lot more swing and miss of late than uh, he's had in the – start of this season and uh like like i mentioned with just with guys on base just not putting together quality at bats you have a guy on third base with less than an out you need to get it out of the infield you gotta you gotta drive something and just too much swing and miss at times uh weak contact at times they're uh the the swing decisions that that were so good at the beginning of the year that led me to think that this thing was going to turn around i think we're just seeing guys expand the zone and get away from the approach that that is the correct way to approach their at-bats and it's just not working for them and then you're basically I mean Mike Trout's incredible I mean we we all know that especially up here Mariner fans know all all too well how good Mike Trout is but you you shouldn't have one guy beat you like that and like you said they, they didn't score more than four runs in a single game and it was basically all one guy it was Mike Trout and a bunch of kind of random pitchers that that shut you down because your lineup just only has two, three guys going at a time, and that's just that's just not enough right now. So what's the fix for this Mariners team offensively? Because there are some in-house options. You bring up Justin Upton the other day. Uh, he hasn't yeah. really shown you know a ton in the couple of games, and obviously he left one of the games early after getting hit in the head by a pitch. Uh, that's an option. You know, you look at in AAA, Jared Kelnick is available uh, to be called up. I don't know if that's necessarily the best thing for his development right now, but then you, you also look outside the organization, but with the Mariners falling further and further and back in the race, is it worth giving up anything to go out and get a, a short-term rental? When you see this offense in the quickest fix, is it just waiting for guys to get healthy? How do you put a Band-Aid on this? Yeah, that, that's the that's the really tough spot that, that Scott Service and Jerry Depoto find themselves in because there's no easy one thing. Like you mentioned Kelnick, and Kelnick has, has been hitting pretty well in AAA over the last few weeks. The strikeout numbers are still a little high. You're still counting on him to be a long-term fixture for this organization. So do you really want to bring him up when you're nine, ten games under five hundred to, to try to see if he can, can be a shot in the arm for you? That That's just long-term. That's just not beneficial to him or really the Mariners because the – the, the downside of that is just so steep. You can't have Jared Kelnick come up in a bad spot and not contribute again. 
that you you mentioned Justin Upton coming in. That that seems like a very very minor band aid. This was a team that seemed to be wanting to just kind of ride it out until Kyle Lewis and Mitch Haniger got healthy. But by the time that either one of those guys get back, it's just going to be too little, too late. So if Jerry's working the phones and seeing what's out there, I mean, I don't think that this is a team that's really worth investing for short-term options right now. If Jerry's going to go out and make a trade and presumably uh, trade away guys from, from that highly ranked farm system, it's got to be for long-term pieces. And that puts more of an eye to 2023, which – I know nobody really wants to be the case, but you're looking at this and you're 10 games under 500, you're fourth place in your own division, and the, the team that you, you should have been making up ground against this last weekend came into your house and took four or five. So it's, uh, it, it's really tough. There's no one easy solution. And honestly, if they're not wanting to, to trade away the guys that they have in the farm right now, they probably just got to ride it out, hope that Mitch and Kyle can come back sooner than later, and hope that guys like Winker and Frazier hit like they've hit for their whole career. But I mean, that's, that's not exactly a promising thing either because it's not a sure thing that any one of those things is going to happen. Brandon Gustafson of SeattleSports.com joining me on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline here on Extra Innings. And, Brandon, uh, the one good thing, or at least I think the biggest good thing, the best good thing for this Mariners team right now is the recent performance of Robbie Ray, who is pitching like mm-hmm. the ace, the pitching like the guy that they gave that big contract to this last offseason, carries a no-hitter into the seventh inning against the Angels uh, on Friday night in front of a, a packed crowd at, at T-Mobile Park, followed up his great start against the Red Sox going seven shutout innings. He's working that two-seamer, working that sinker. What are you seeing from him right now that has sort of unlocked what we all kind of thought Ray could be. Yeah, I mean, using that two seam to kind of set up the the four seam and the and the slider as far as put away pitches is is pretty interesting just cuz he's not a guy that's really done that throughout his career. He's been so heavy on that four seam and that slider. It's a uh, the thing with Robbie Ray is even even if you go back and look at his numbers last year, the when he did get into trouble, it was the home run ball and it was just overall hard contact and that's that's two issues that we've seen this year and things hadn't been very good up until these last few starts uh, for the most part. And using that two seam has really allowed him to avoid hard contact. Uh, That start against the Red Sox, I think he only had two balls that were hit 95 miles an hour or harder, which StatCast defines as a hard hit ball. I think against the Angels, it was only three or four, something like that. So using that two seam to just kind of get that little extra movement, that late movement, and the, the velocity is still pretty similar to the four seam. That, that just little bit of movement and his ability to locate, it's really allowed him to avoid hard contact and keep the ball in the yard and put the ball on the ground at times when he's needed the double play ball or the weak ground ball to, to keep guys from scoring. And it's been just really, really encouraging because as he's able to do that while just mixing in the plus stuff, the swing and miss stuff that we've seen from Robbie Ray throughout his career, that's that's just really hard. And it's just one more thing for these hitters to go up and think about because when you're a two-pitch guy like Robbie Ray as a starter, I mean, you're you, a lot of times you're just guessing one of two or you're just eliminating one pitch outright and hunting the fastball or hunting the slider. So that's just one more thing for, for hitters to have to go up there and worry about. And it's just been really good to see that he's been able to avoid barrels these last few starts. Brandon, when you look at last year's team, a lot of people point to Kyle Seeger's presence in the clubhouse as a, a big driving factor for how they were able to perform and, and win 90 games a year ago. And they obviously, Seeger retired this last offseason. He's not coming back. He looks like he's very much enjoying his uh, retirement. Well, I'm, I mean, why wouldn't you? He's, he's made plenty of money in his career, and he's only, what, 34 years old? I think we all would love to retire at the age of 34. But he. he 
obviously what he meant to that clubhouse a year ago with the guys in the clubhouse, uh, that can't be replicated. But how much do you think, just in your time covering baseball or, or playing baseball you know, in your younger days, how much can the veteran presences or, or just the guys who are viewed as clubhouse leaders lift the rest of the guys in that clubhouse and, and make them perform uh, maybe beyond what we kind of expect to see uh, on the back of their baseball card. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's definitely something to be said for veteran leadership. And I, I think that in addition to Kyle Seeger not being with the franchise anymore, I think the other thing that you can point to is just the fact that Mitch Haniger's only played at, what, nine, ten games for this team this year. And he kind of like Seeger last year, kind of a heartbeat guy, right? And I think that it's it's uh, it's – kind of hard for guys that are hurt that aren't around the team every day as they're doing the rehab and maybe don't travel with the team it's hard for them to kind of keep up that leadership role so you have jp crawford who you kind of look at and say okay this is probably going to be his team going forward but then the other more veteran position player guys that are playing every day they're new guys so it's kind of hard for for somebody like that to come in and step in and assume a leadership role right away and i think it's especially harder when Two of those guys, Adam Frazier and Jesse Winker, just aren't producing. They're they're just not getting the job done. So there's a as far as like a leadership uh, issue with the team. I mean, I, I could see it a little bit because the the guy that you would look to right now to be the de facto leader of JP Crawford, he's the younger guy, and he's had somebody like Seager to kind of lean on these last two three years, and now it's kind of his team, and Mitch isn't there, and and it's it's hard, and it's especially hard to lead when you're when your team isn't playing very well. So. Uh, I, I think that the the loss of Seager in that sense definitely hurts. I'd also I'd also point to Mitch Haniger in that same vein of just they they need uh, it, it, just in addition to veteran leadership. I mean, just <laughs> having someone in the lineup consistently who's producing runs is something that this team just doesn't really have. I mean, Ty France is doing his thing, and JP's been uh, up and down a little bit of late, but he's been better of late. And I mean, aside from those two, it's just been two other hitters. So. It just in addition to the leadership aspect of it, yeah, I mean, you you got to have uh, you got to have more bats that are contributing overall. Well, if you want to talk about consistent production, you talk about my guy Brandon Gustafson of SeattleSports dot com, who is kind enough to join me here on Extra Innings this evening. Brandon, what do you guys got going on 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 the website this week? Oh man, just gonna keep diving into. <laughs> This uh, very interesting Mariners season. I think uh, we're going to start looking ahead at the trade deadline a little bit, and uh, I kind of mentioned it to you about uh, the Mariners probably not being in a in a spot where they want to go out and get some short term rentals, but maybe some long term guys, some guys that are signed through twenty twenty three and beyond, or if they do want to be quote unquote sellers. I mean, who are some guys that they might want to move on for? So that's something to look for either this week or next week. I think we're going to start kind of diving into that and then just you know more Seahawks stuff everybody's interested about who's going to be QB1 come week one <laughs> when they're facing Russ for the first time so uh yeah it's gonna be fun and uh hopefully crank out some more Bump and Stacey content I was really happy to see the show get going today oh absolutely a lot of fun having Michael Bumpus join our daily lineup make sure you're checking out Bump and Stacey from 10 to noon each and every weekday and make sure you're reading Brandon Gustafson SeattleSports.com. You can also follow him on Twitter at the B Gustafson. Brandon, really appreciate you stopping by, as you always do with extra innings, and we'll talk again. Uh, anytime, C Raj. Appreciate it. So, what is that fix? What is the button the Mariners need to press in order to get things right? Well, let's take a listen to a conversation I had with Ryan Roland Smith the other day, and hopefully he can come up with some answers. This is Extra Innings. I'm Curtis Rogers. You're listening to Seattle Sports Station and the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings Inside the Mariners on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports Station.
There's nothing worse in this town, I, I feel like, when you're drawing parallels to the 2010 Mariners, a, a team that had tremendous expectations heading into the season. They acquired a big-time left-handed starting pitcher, Cliff Lee. They added Sean Figgins to the lineup, coming off an incredible career season with the Angels. It felt like the trajectory of the organization was pointing sky high. It was pointing northward. And as we all know, years later, 12 years later, that was one of the worst seasons in, in Mariners team history. Now, why not talk to a member of that team, somebody that was there every single day because – Look, this Mariners team in 2022 has not lived up to expectations. I, I think that is very clear. We don't want to butter that up. Uh, it's just has not gone the way anybody had expected it to. So how do the Mariners avoid those pitfalls of, of what 2010 was? How can the Mariners right this ship and press the right buttons and get things figured out? Is is the help that is needed for this team outside the organization well, let's talk to Ryan Roland-Smith, who joined me earlier on Seattle Sports Station, and we'll get it to the bottom of it, as well as, look, what were the things that made that 2010 team so combustible, and can the Mariners avoid that here in 2022? We're trying to figure out where this Mariners fix is going to come from. We looked at in-house options in the last segment. There's a couple of guys that you could look at right now as potential helps, but it's one thing to say that this guy can help out but then you look at the numbers and it's like, well, maybe, maybe right. not. Justin Upton, Jared Kelnick, those are two options we looked at. We looked at shuffling the lineup around maybe, getting somebody else in, in the leadoff spot. But now let's look outside the organization. And there was a name that was said earlier today on the Mike Salk show that I got to be honest, I hadn't really considered just based off the start of the season that he got off to with Washington. And we're talking about former Mariners outfielder and DH Nelson Cruz, who is obviously beloved in this town still years later after he left for uh, Minnesota and Tampa and, and now he's in Washington. And I think obviously what he meant to that Mariners clubhouse during those seasons he was here, beloved by everybody, media, front office, players, coaches, I don't think there's anybody that can say a bad word about the guy. But in the start that he got off to this season, it was clear that like this probably is going to be his last season. But now, I mean, what he has been over the last month is is really good. He's got that OPS back up to about league average when he was really scuffling in the months of April and May, and, and now here we are in June, and it's looking as though it's going to even out. And, I mean, Washington is nowhere near contention in the NL East, right. one of the more competitive divisions. They're 23-43 and 43 right now. So they're obviously going to be shipping guys off. Ryan, I mean, look, the Mariners have, have wanted to keep that DH spot open in order to cycle through a, a lot of guys, get them a night off from playing in the field. And if you have Nelson Cruz in that spot, that kind of takes away that ability. But his bat starting to heat up. We know what he's like in the clubhouse, and, and a team that is missing a lot of veteran presences right now. I mean, could this be the fix? You know, you mentioned, first of all, the clubhouse aspect of this, 100%. And again, it, it, and, unless you're really been in there and understand that dynamic when you have a guy like Nelson Cruz roll in, the difference that makes inside the clubhouse, regardless of when you look at what he's done this season. You mentioned the month of June, by the way, offensively on the field, not in the clubhouse only, but 340 this month. He's hitting, uh, you know, with, with, with three home runs, he's slugging 585, 407 on base. So he's starting to fit, the wheels are starting to turn a little bit. I would absolutely 
love bringing him in, bringing him in. From a Mariners standpoint, they really value versatility. They value guys that can cycle in and out, like you said, not only the DH role, but cycle guys in athleticism-wise when it comes to playing different positions. But you have to flip the script a little bit on that. You cannot sit here and say, oh, well, you know, Abraham Toro now can play third base and he can play second. No, 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 that doesn't matter. You need to have some presence in the middle of that lineup. If this is a guy that you can buy low on and you don't have to give up a whole lot, and we know the Mariners are not willing to give up a whole lot, and I'd love to dive into what we're going to see in this next month to see how the team not only views 2022, but this whole coming out of this rebuild and everything else. I would love to see a Nelson Cruz, a 41-year-old Nelson Cruz, back in this lineup well, 100%. And if you have the number one farm system in baseball, which Baseball America crowned them as such prior to this season, then giving up a, a prospect should not cripple what you've built in the minor leagues in order to obtain Nelson Cruz. Especially, look, he's 42 years old. He's, he's not the Nelson Cruz that he was seven or eight years ago. But he's still a, a very capable bat in the lineup. I can't imagine the Nationals are going to be asking for the world for him. I would imagine it's probably going to be a player that is in the low minor leagues. We're talking not even probably nothing higher than Class A Modesto. I think if you have the number one farm system in baseball, then it shouldn't really be you know too difficult to find somebody that the Nationals would consider to be fair compensation for. Now, you make a great point. If all of a sudden, hypothetically, Nelson Cruz was to roll back into Seattle, you know at that point, the fr- first of all, the front office is not going to be uh, – Jerry DePoto is very transparent. We've heard that. He's very willing to, to let you know, you know what's going on with the plans and how he feels about certain players. We know that. He, 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 he does a great job you know, filling you in, not only us as media, but the fans as well. But you'll know very soon, and I talked about this last year, 2021, I don't think they truly believed last year, 2021, even though they made some, some lateral moves, which they did around the Kendall Graveman time to, to make some changes. It wasn't impact, we are going for it this year. They made it very clear, read between the lines. You'll know very soon. If, if you have a guy, Nelson Cruz or someone like that, in the same kind of bucket as a Nelson Cruz later in, in, in his career, and he's a power hitter, and that's... He's a one-stop shop when it comes to just hitting bombs. Not the athleticism, not that, oh, hey, the future. The, if this is just a, hey, this is, this is our year 2022, bring in a Nelson Cruz because that's all he's here for, then you, you know that conversation is like, no, 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 we still believe in this team. It's going to be a massive uh, telltale of where we're at here for 2022. Now, I hate to draw the parallels between this year and, and the 2010 season, which is still <laughs> one of the, you know, that when you bring up – the year 2010 amongst Mariner fans, uh, you get a lot of you know long faces. Like, and you bring uh, that up with the players who are on that I, team. Yeah, right? I know. I'm, I'm to talking one. to one Trust of them on the, the 2010 same. Mariners. Trust but me. that team was in a similar spot this time of year where there were expectations going into that season. They had acquired Cliff Lee, or, or should I say you guys acquired Cliff Lee. <laughs> I'm talking to one of them right now in front of my very face here. This Mariner team acquired Robbie Ray, a very accomplished left-handed pitcher. I wouldn't say to the level of Cliff Lee, but still, when you acquire somebody of that magnitude, there is expectation. They added Sean Figgins that season, and they did not meet expectations that year. Mm -hmm. But around this time of year, they made a move that 
tried to signal that they were doing something about it. They reacquired Russell Brannion in a trade because Brannion, the year prior with the 09 Mariners, hit, I think, 30-something home runs, played decent first base, was a, a positive contributor in the lineup. You bring him back. I mean, Ryan, you were in that clubhouse. Was that a positive message to the guys in the clubhouse? Like, hey, we're we're doing something here. We're not okay with what's going on. Or was it like, why are you bringing this guy back? We can we can do it ourselves. Yeah, well, first of all, Russell Brannion, when you see him walk back in the door, you're like, oh man, you know, love the guy. You know what I mean? So it, it was cool, but. At I'm not going to lie, man. And this is what I'm talking about inside that clubhouse. This is the the, the situation that I am still trying to you know to dive into when I'm talking to some of these players. You talk about 2010, and you you look on, on paper as far as what moves they made, what they didn't do, or, or you know, and then they ended up trading Cliff Lee away, and that was the the white. That was the end. That was yeah. it. That was it. See, season's done, and for good reasons because of everything else. But when when I was on that team. And, and this is my point about being in the clubhouse with Mitch Hanniger and, and you know, the, some of the leadership, Jesse Winker, some of the older guys on that team, Marco Gonzalez, everything else. Bringing in Russell Brennan at that point, I'm going back to 2010 or this time of year, it was already just an absolute toxic place to be. It just was. Whether the you guys knew that from a media standpoint, the fans really knew that. I mean, it was kind of, it was kind of you know, Visually, you could kind of see it because there's stuff going on um, out in the in, in the. Well, and as we know, years later, Sean Figgins not the most pleasant guy to be. No, around. one of the top three worst teammates I've ever had. Period. Um, I'm sure he's fine nice. now. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know if he's listening. <laughs> sorry, Sean, but no, sorry, that's just the way. It Shot was. across the bow. Yeah. No, but, I love it. But that's how what man, it was. There was at the, even at this point in the year, it was just doomsday. Every, uh, it was not a fun time walking in that clubhouse. Everyone was pointing fingers at each other. Uh, it was a situation where you didn't trust the coaching staff. You didn't trust that pitching coach. You you didn't like the guy across the room. Nothing was going to change that. Uh, bringing in a, uh, you know someone to 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 do a therapy session to or meditation or whatever or something to change the dynamic just wasn't going to happen, period, at all. So this year, I think, when, when I look at that, and you mentioned I hate bringing up 2010 and comparing to any team, whether it's you know, 2016 <laughs> Seattle or whatever. I'm just throwing yeah. a year out there. It's very hard to do because there's nothing like that. I had not experienced anything. It was very hard to perform on that team. But it, when when you look at this, when you look at – the farm system. Here's a difference. The, the farm system the Mariners have compared to 20, 2010, night and day. Yes. Forget about it. There is just guys who are just, you should be excited about coming up. I know you're sick of hearing about the future and everything else if you're listening and, and, and you're worried about 2022. I'm not saying, hey, just sit back and wait, anything like that. It, it's just still a different dynamic. It very is. It, it, it's, it's way different to 2010. It may seem as though everything is going wrong right now in Mariner world, but there is a lot of things that are going right and going the Mariner's way, and we're going to take a look at that in a conversation that Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross had today on the debut episode of their show, Bump and Stacy. We take a listen to what they had to say. Coming your way next on Extra Innings, I'm Curtis Rogers. This is Seattle Sports Station and the Mariner's Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings, Inside the Mariners, on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports Station. Coming up in 15 minutes, Martin Gallegos, who covers the Oakland A's, will join me on Extra Innings for a conversation about that A's team and the situation that 
is enveloping that franchise right now as they look to seek permanent residence in the city of Oakland. Also, what can we expect from them? And also, one of the great pariahs of Mariner fandom over the last couple of years, he's pitcher Cole Irvin. You obviously got to talk about him because the Mariners really do not like him. And Mariners fans, I think, would also echo those sentiments. That's coming up in 15 minutes. But right now, in the midst of this downturn that the Mariners have taken in the month of June and in the month of May, it's hard to find what's going right for this team. But there are actually some things that are. Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross discussed today on the very first edition of Bump and Stacy. What is going right for the Mariners? I didn't mean to open the show on a negative note, guys. Look, it's fun. We got a new host here. Uh, it's a fun day. The Mariners just... Uh, just really been a damper on the weekend. It's it's equivalent to all the rain we've been getting. Not really much of a spring here. It feels like that's kind of what uh, what the baseball season has been. Is like w- waiting for the sun, <laughs> waiting for the excitement to happen. But some of it has been happening already. So what is going right for the Mariners? What's going right? Ty France is one of the best hitters in baseball. What hurts him is that they know pitchers know that you can just go after him because no one around him is really really going to do anything. Right? What else? Julio Rodriguez is showing. Look. Eventually, he's going to be a superstar. I think locally, he's already a star, but nationally, he is going to get there. And then, you know what? I'm going to throw in Cal Raleigh, too, man. Like, look at his numbers. You're not going to be super impressed, but you kind of see him turning a quarter. We know that he was, he was here because of his uh, defensive capabilities, but uh, he's been swinging the bat decently. So there are some things going right. Um, Julio's still in a bunch of bases. Uh, Robbie Ray starting to come around. The pitching looks okay. So there are some positives. It's just that when you have a bunch of positives, then more negatives, uh, it just outweighs the positives. Now, we were waiting to see if there were any moves made on an off day. Uh, There are some moves, though, not any big ones that you guys were waiting for. But let me tell you about this. The Mariners just announced three minutes ago a couple roster moves. They have reinstated Ken Giles and recalled Kevin Padlow. Meanwhile, Rowanis Elias and Sergio Romo have been DFA'd. Any quick reaction to that? Giles is supposed to save the day, right? He's been here about that for a while. Long time. Yeah, yeah. Ken Giles. Long time. Just, uh, by the way, reinstated from the 60-day IL for Giles. They uh, had to trim down, uh, by major league rules today, go from 14 to 13 pitchers. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why we're seeing two relievers get DFA'd today in Romo and Elias. Yeah. And only recalling one in Ken Giles. And then Kevin Padlow is an infielder. So... Another bat to add to the pile, but he's been a career minor leaguer. He's only had 27 plate appearances at the big league level, hit 120 in his career. So, uh, I mean, maybe there's something there in Kevin Padlow. He's only 25 years old, uh, but it's kind of like, all right, your turn now, Kevin. Let's, (laughs) Let's see what you got. Uh, speaking of pitching, I think that that's obviously been a silver lining for this team. You look at the last seven days, you've had uh, Logan Gilbert with a 1-5-0 ERA, Robbie Ray under a 1-3-0. You've got um, Kirby, obviously, has uh, has been good for you. I mean, you've had overall solid pitching. I would say pretty good pitching, uh, some variances, but pretty good pitching. And we talked about it a bit in the open that it's been so frustrating to know one half of the equation is working well. Oh, man. It's always something, right? This week, the pitching's doing well. The other week, it's not doing well. 
Um, but that's a good place to start, though, right? Because if you cannot hold teams into blowing up the scoreboard and lighting you guys up with a bunch of runs, then you're probably not going to be in the game, especially the way that the Mariners have been swinging the bat. So I'm encouraged that these uh, these pitchers have been coming around. Man, Logan Gilbert, I hope he makes the all-star team. Robbie Ray finally looking like the guy that we wanted to see. And then Kirby battling as well. So it's just, again, you got to connect the dots. Got to bring it all together. And uh, it, was, it was a tough tough weekend for these bats question moving this forward just a little bit Curtis earlier in the show you talked about hey uh, I don't want to know what's going to work for the future because I mentioned we were going to be talking about some silver linings and you said I don't want to know what's going to be working for the future I'm tired of kicking the can down the road I want to know what's get what's going to get them to the playoffs now are any of the silver linings that I'm mentioning here Julio Rodriguez uh, you're pitching as of late Uh, bump you talked about Ty France who obviously has been phenomenal this season is any of that enough to get you to the postseason this year? Is it enough? Well, it's gotten them to a record that's, what, 10 games below five hundred. Yes. And there just isn't enough around those guys. I think if there was enough around them, it would be enough. But solely on Julio, solely on Gilbert, solely on, on Ty France – it's clearly not enough. And J.P. Crawford, I think you can you can lump in that group too, who he's had a great season and I think has eased concerns about the Mariners staying away from that group of shortstops that was available in free agency this year. Now, I still think they should have made a move for Trevor Story, but that's a different story. Uh, but just on their own, it's clearly not enough because look at these injuries that have happened to Mitch Haniger and Kyle Lewis and, and other guys. It has crippled them. It has made them just a a mediocre to bad team right now and they're on a 90 plus loss pace and it's it's just not enough to have three or four guys to rely on every night and if one of them has a night off then you're you're tanked for that night and that's the thing too right how many wins does Mitch Hanniger and Kyle Lewis get you in this situation like are are they above 500 I just don't I don't know and I don't think so honestly I, I think that um, it's been just an overall struggle because we haven't really seen like 10 games where everything is clicking. Yeah. And we know the importance of Mitch Hanniger to this lineup. We know what Kyle Lewis brings to this lineup. But is that enough to get this team over the hump? I just don't think so. I was thinking that when I was like, oh, they're in a slump. And I was listening to Scott Service talk about it. And he's not wrong. Right. But in the context of Seattle, it felt like it wasn't too applicable. But in general, he was talking about, look, in baseball, you're going to have slumps. You're going to have highs and lows. It's just the game. It's the nature of the game. 162 games. You will have a championship team that at some point (laughs) lost like six in a row and looked absolutely awful. That being said, when is a point when the Mariners have had like a high that lasted that long? I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> they haven't had an extended. There hasn't. I mean, I, I told this texter not to worry about it, but there hasn't been a ton of like big ups. Yeah. This year. Yeah. So. I mean, you remember last year they they put together like what six seven wins in a row or win like seven out of nine or something like that. We just haven't seen that. We go from okay winning last year winning seven out of nine to where we're like okay they they've won four series in a row. You know, we're kind of like lowering our expectations to find some type of positive. They just got to get hot. That's what it comes down to, man. Uh, you said it perfectly. They're like the weather right now. It's just a damper right now. You're just, just waiting exactly. for the sun to shine Look, on them. I came into this year expecting like a fool that June would mean some pleasant weather. Like an idiot that could at least distract us from what we're seeing like an idiot i came in here thinking the mariners might give might give me a decent season and and a pleasant season to watch and here i am 
I should have known uh, that that June would be full of nothing but rain and horrible we weather. Should, we should have known in May, because usually in May the sun starts to shine a little bit. Absolutely so not. Uh, look at us. We're relating baseball to the weather right now. That's that's where we are with that's this team. That's the state of this yeah. team currently. I mean, the good news, the silver lining, is that all of the silver linings, and many of them are with things that aren't like one-offs or aberrations. You mentioned Ty France as a silver lining. He's a young player that's going to be with you, yep. right? JP, same thing. Julio, same thing. Um, your two young pitchers, Logan and George Kirby, same thing. Like the, It still is one of those things where you can say the future is bright. I am just so tired of saying the future is bright. I would like for right now to be bright. I would like for 2022 to be bright. In fact, for that matter, I would have loved for 2021 to be bright. You know, it, this kind of situation reminds me of when I, I coach high school football, right? And on paper – I will have the most beautiful game plan. I'm like, oh, on paper, this is going to work. We just, <laughs> We're going to crush Oh, my it. God, we got this. And then you go out there and it's like, all right, that ain't paper. Those are human beings out there yeah. who go through their slumps and go through their deals. And I look at this team on paper and I'm thinking, at least to start the season, that this is going to be a competitive team. And then they, they hit you with the okie doke, right? Before the season, what, they're what, 11 and 6 or something like that. And you're like, boom, uh, we, we got go. it. But then the human factor comes in. You got your all star winker who's been struggling. Feel for the man, does lead the majors and walks, I believe, with like 42. So he's getting on base, but he's not here to walk, right? He's here to produce runs. And I believe that the Mariners have like 498 runners stranded on base. Leads the majors. Like they're like services said, there there's traffic. There's traffic. Mm-hmm. Just not bringing them in. Make sure you're subscribing to the all new Bump and Stacy Show podcast. It's available wherever it is you get your podcast, as well as extra innings. Always be downloading extra innings. It's on SeattleSports.com. When we return, we take a peek behind enemy lines. Martin Gallegos, who covers the Oakland A's for MLB.com, he joins me to discuss this A's team that the Mariners are facing off in a three-game series starting tomorrow. I'm Curtis Rogers. You're listening to Extra Innings on Seattle Sports Station, the Mariners Radio Network.